Welcome to Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries, where we take a biblical approach to culture's difficult questions. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Unapologetic, podcast of Embrace Ministries. I'm here again, Andy Bowles, your host with Eli Bowles, your co-host. We are lead pastor and worship pastor of Embrace Church, and we are excited to come to you again with another topic. If you have been listening to these in order, you notice that each week we have a new direction that we like to share. And so the second week of every month, we're talking about hard to understand Bible passages. And we're still focusing, Eli, on the idea of dealing with culture's most difficult issues by using the Bible as our basis and context to uh, to try to get an answer out and try to help make sense of things in the world. So just, just kind of on the on the fly of this, Eli, why do we use the Bible as our basis of getting information out? Because we believe that the Bible is uh, most importantly God's word, and we know that everything that God says is true, and so we believe the Bible to be true. Um, but also, we believe that the Bible is totally relevant to the world that we live in today. I don't think that the Bible is just some kind of, you know old script that was written years ago and it applied to those people but not us but everything that we see in culture there's an answer for in the bible because it's god's word and it's truth and his word never returns void and so um every every problem that pops up in culture we want to deal with that with what god says not with what we say yeah bingo nailed it a plus so (laughs) (laughs) it's very very true you know, um, sometimes people look at the Bible like it's an archaic book and that it does not play, uh, apply and it's not relevant and all this kind of stuff. But whenever you look at, at look at it as a book, there's so many times you'll read it and it just does not make sense if you're just approaching it as a book. But when you look at it as God's word, God's answer, God's plan... Uh, then all of a sudden it does have application and it's it's um through its re, you know um, revealing of a truth to us gives us purpose and meaning and hope in life right and whenever we whenever we talk about application to the world that we live in today um, you have to be careful not to take things out of context I feel like so many times we say we pick like one thing we, that we feel like applies to us and we just use that one verse and we take it out of context and um, I feel like that's part of the reason that we've chosen the difficult scripture we've chosen today is because a lot of what we're going to talk about has been taken out of context since, oh, yeah. specifically since 2020. <laughs> a lot of what we're going to talk about today has been taken out of context. So. Yes, no doubt. You know, when you start off in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and begin the journey of reading the Bible through, um, you're going to run across passages, verses of scripture, thoughts that's revealed to us in the word and it's going to be a challenge to you and I think it's intended to be somewhat of a challenge for your spirit for your mind for your obedience and things like that Uh, but but even even in an intellectual sense I mean you look in Genesis chapter 6 and you see these these uh, sons of God who um, involve themselves in the affairs of the the daughters of men and so passages like that i'm i'm reading through the book of judges right now just in my personal daily devotion yeah 
and I just read, man, I can't remember the guy's name. Maybe his name is Jay Peth, um, where the dude goes off and, and asks the Lord, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight these enemies of Israel, and I want you to be with me, and if you'll give me victory as soon as I come home, the first thing that comes out of the door of my house, yeah. I'm going to sacrifice yeah. that. And lo and behold, what comes out of his door, but his only child it's a daughter, and it grieves his heart. And so I read through that story, and I think, number one, that's jacked up. Yeah, yeah. You need to be careful what you what you vow unto the Lord. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes five two tells us that hold your hold your mouth when you come into the house of the Lord. Don't make rash vows before the Lord. And that was probably Solomon's learning of that situation. Yeah. But as I prayed through that, I thought, you know, Eli, this is the perfect picture of the sacrifice of the father for us. I mean, if you, if you illustrate it as this guy, I think his name was JPF. I can't really remember right now, but if this guy, uh, say this guy's life represented the father, he went out and fought a war. We could not fight. Yeah. He offered his only child. And if you read the story, his daughter mourned her virginity and said, let me get my friends and go up to the mountain. And for a couple of three months, they mourned her virginity and then came back and he offered her as a sacrifice. I think sometimes we get so caught up on a father offered the daughter because of a vow. How come he just didn't say, well, forget that. I'm not going to do that. You know, the picture and the illustration is the father offering a child that was pure in every sense on the behalf of God's people being fought for and won for. So it's the gospel, you know, and I think the lens of that should be preached from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation. Oh, we're talking about Revelation. Yeah. (laughs) Revelation today. And so you said something earlier, Eli, just like, the the hard-to-understand passage we have today has been more talked about, debated, tried to be understood since 2020. Why did you say that? Um, I've just heard so much about, about Revelation and end times specifically since um, 2020 and with, with all of the different conflicts that happened in 2020 and then there was COVID and um, political things going down. And I heard so many people try to make prophecies based on this prophecy. I heard so many people saying, this is what this means, and this is what this means, and like putting actual human beings' names to the things that are represented here. (laughs) What you're saying is you heard somebody say, this person is the Antichrist. Oh, yeah, yeah. This person is the beast. Yeah, this is the mark of the beast. We talked about the mark of the beast on our first podcast, you know, so we're not hitting on that specifically, but just so many things about Revelation that people are trying to apply it today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Well, what do you think the problem is with that? I mean, why can't we apply Revelation to today? Well, you know, you've got 66 books in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you've got a lot of the Bible that is prophecy fulfilled, and then there's a lot of the Bible that is prophecy being fulfilled and prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And so God is a God who is a God of prophecy. And why is he a God of prophecy? Because he knows everything. He knows the history, he knows the current, and he knows what's going to happen 7.9 gazillion years from right now. Right. And so prophecy is not just the knowing of what's going to happen, but the telling of what is going to happen with infinite accuracy. 
And so God moved over the hearts of the Old Testament prophets like Elijah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. And so there's a lot of things that he spoke to those guys that were going to happen currently in their time and in their life, but also some of the things, even in the current moments of their lives, happened, but it was also a foretelling in a spiritual sense of things that were going to happen eventually. But they were also told of some things that were going to happen a lot further ahead from where they were in their life. Right. And so when you look in the New Testament, you, you a way in which we rightly divide the word of truth. That's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, to rightly divide the word of truth. And the way we do that is to put the Bible in the categories in which it was written. Old Testament, New Testament. Well, the first four books of the New Testament the gospel records of Jesus's life, Acts of the Apostles, the result of what Jesus did. It's a historical book. So is the gospels to us, a historical book. Then you start looking at the letters of the apostles. Even within the letters of the apostles, there were things that were written in a current situation. And then there was sometimes the encouragement, like just for say, Example, Paul to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, when he says, Brother, I have you not to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep or Christians who have died before you. You know, they're going to they're gonna beat you in the physical <laughs> bodily resurre- resurrection to Jesus. Right. And so he kind of goes to that. And so in that, even that letter, that epistle, epistle is just another word for letter of an apostle, um, there was prophecy spoken of in that. But the whole letter was not dedicated to prophecy. Therefore, it's church letters. So what is the difference between, let's just say, 1 Corinthians and Revelation? Well, to rightly divide that is to know that Paul is writing to Corinth, while John the Apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And in, in my opinion, it was the fulfillment of what Jesus told to his disciples, in particular to Peter, when he said, there's one of you that will not uh, die until you see my return. And Peter, Peter's all nosy up in that. It's like, right. I want to be that guy. I want to know what's going on. And Jesus says, Peter, you just do what I told you to do, bro. Yeah. You live you like I'm telling you to live you and let this guy live him like I'm telling him to live him. And so it's John on the Isle of Patmos. And so... There begins the book of Revelation, you know, and this yeah. is where the this is where the cr- creepy kind of crazy music comes in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> because it's such a mysterious book, Eli, uh, you've known me all of your life, pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know that um, I I have struggled with the book of Revelation. Yeah. For years, I would not preach anything from the book of Revelation and was intimidated to grab phrases or verses to support other thoughts as line upon line, precept upon precept. The, the word of God is not given any private interpretation. Right. And so even in moments to where I was supporting a thought or a verse in another passage, I was scared to go to Revelation or intimidated to go to the book of Revelation because I didn't fully understand it. But I think this is a key that's going to help a lot of our listeners because I think it'll help me, I think it'll help you, is to know that this book, this book of Revelation, you don't have to be intimidated by it because you're not supposed to understand everything about it. Right. Yeah. 
And so the world around you wants to make you question yourself and why don't you know everything about the book of Revelation? How much can you know about the future? As much as what you can plan or what you're told. Even then you don't know it for certain. That's right. And so prophecy is of the future. Now when we put that down as the Bible, God's word, we can know the book of Revelation, every verse and every chapter to the end end of it is true and it will happen, but sometimes the movie that we play in our mind is not going to match the words that we read off of the paper. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, you ever read a book and then watched a movie and you thought to yourself after you watched the movie, that ain't how I thought that character was going to look. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so... Revelation, I think, is going to turn out that way for everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well studied in the Bible you are. I don't care what your grandmama taught you. I don't care what the seminary professor taught you. I think whenever we're in heaven and all of this is complete, we're going to say, hmm, I didn't think it was going to work that way. <laughs> yeah. But when it's done, you have a whole lot more knowledge about it than before it's done. And so the book of Revelation starts off in chapter one as kind of a description of the book. And so remember, Eli, that this book, according to verse five, is a book that has a blessing with it. I'm sorry, not verse five, but verse three says, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Jesus could return at any moment. These things that we read of in the book of Revelation could happen, in my opinion, in much of a more visible, concreted, catastrophic type ways than what we see it. I don't think it's going to be questions of whether or not this is Revelation type things. I think it's going to be, boom, it's here. Yeah, for believers, for believers especially, I don't think, that's one of the things where I hear all these people trying to relate this to our culture today and they're trying to convince Christians and say hey this is it this is happening I don't think that true believers are going to have to question it no 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 um, <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 that um, the devil uh, satanic means will blind or deceive those who don't believe so that means there is a supernatural preserving for those who do believe right You know, we're not going to be ushered into believing a lie, but instead we are people who hold the truth. And that's not a pride issue for Christians because we didn't do anything to get it other than just open our mouth and God fed us that. And so that's, that's the good part of that. But as you, as you read through this book with a blessing, you'll see in chapter one, John continues to help us understand who the resurrected Christ is unapproachable light in all of his goodness and glory, one who holds in his hands the seven stars. And then in chapter two two through chapter three, he begins to dictate to John a letter that is to be written to seven churches in minor Asia. And so these these churches are um, Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. And, and I've heard a lot of guys, you know, explaining that these churches are more like um, uh, not just physical churches that live during that time, but 
uh, typifications of churches throughout the history since since the book the Bible has been concluded, like seasons of Christianity through history and dispensations or, or time frames of God's history. And um, but then again, I've heard certain certain preachers preach it in different ways. And again, Eli, that's the thing, man. Uh, who can know other than what is written? We see the historical value. These were literal churches that existed in the time frame, right? But no longer exist. And so, what I think we can do is embrace church, and I think we can do as Christians is learn the lessons that these churches had to learn at one time to make sure that Jesus is our first love, that we don't involve ourselves in idolatry, that we follow the teachings of Christ and not the the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And and that was one of the letters that was written, you know. And so making sure that we have good teaching of the word, loving Jesus, serving others, and have a passionate pursuit of Christ every day. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, there's the statement. Why don't you read that? I know you got your Bible open. Chapter 4, verse 1. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must, what must take place after these things. A lot of guys, depending on what your belief is on how the world will unfold in the end of times, some people believe that there will be a rapture, which means caught up, um, a rapture, before the tribulation happens, some believe it'll uh, the church, God's people, will be raptured in the middle of the tribulation, and some believe after the tribulation. The guys who believe that it'll happen before the tribulation, which I lean to for multiple reasons. One, I don't want to be here when things go south. Right. You know what I'm saying? But they use this verse as to say that John was the example of the church. The heavens were opened. A trumpet was sounded, and he was called up. He was raptured up. He was called out of there. But from chapter 4, verse 2, all the way to chapter 19, that's a lot of ground to cover. But through that entire thing, all of a sudden, you're going to start reading different passages of Scripture that talk about books and seals and the opening of those seals in certain orders and, and what scenes are happening in heaven with with angels singing and 24 elders casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus and then these plagues that are happening and these angels that are positioned on the four corners of the world and what they'll unleash or what they'll hold back. And and then you see John in chapter 10 eating a book and then in chapter 11 there's two witnesses that are with fire from their mouth preaching the word of God to hopefully, the, or not hopefully, but prophesied as a truth. 144,000 Jews will give their lives to Christ right. by, and then these two guys will die and lay in the street three days, and then they'll be raised up from the dead. And then you see this persecution of the dragon and the beast and the antichrist, and all of these crazy things are happening in here. So... <clears throat> For, for the difficult passage of Scripture for today, if we take the, the entirety of the book of Revelation, I would say chapter 1, appreciate it, understanding that it's a book with a blessing. Love the imagery, imagery of Christ. Chapter 2 through chapter 3, learn the example of the churches. Chapter 4 to chapter 19, by the way, chapter 19 is the picture of the, the wedding feast Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. We're spotless before him, pure in all of our ways now, and we're enjoying a wedding ceremony. This is the reception. 
the cake is getting smashed in the face yeah. and everybody's laughing and taking pictures and loving on each other, right? And so between chapter 4, verse 2 and chapter, right before chapter 19, you got to say, okay, um, this stuff is difficult to understand. Uh, those grasshoppers that are defined in, in certain passages of those scriptures, could they be tanks? Could they be helicopters? Could they, man, it really doesn't matter, you know? Your focus is Jesus. Your focus is not whether or not a grasshopper is really interpreted as a tank or a Apache helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever I look at Revelation, it's so easy to get caught up in the different beasts and what the Antichrist might look like and all these things. But what I love to focus on is the glimpses that you get of heaven. Mm -hmm. Those times where um, John is getting to see things in heaven and he's getting to see what it's like to be under the rule of the Prince of Peace, mm-hmm. and those kind of things get me excited much more than what you know what the beast looked like and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so Jesus is revealing something here in the Book of Revelation. Wow, that's deep. I know Man. it is, isn't it? So, what is Jesus revealing in the Book of Revelation? Oh, that the Antichrist is this, and the beast is that, and the plague is this, and the seal that was broken was this, and the four horsemen are this. Yeah, he's telling us about those things, but you're missing it. This is what he's revealing in 22 chapters in the last book of the Bible. Jesus says, I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I make war on my enemies, and I am victorious in the end. Get you some of that, devil. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so if we get our eyes off of the ultimate theme that Jesus is a promise-making and a promise-keeping king who, when he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, left word with his disciples and said, just as you saw me leave, I will come again. He's going to come again. It may be today. It may be before we can upload this podcast. It may be 157 years from now, and podcasts are a thing of the past like vinyl records are. (laughs) But that's up to him. He knows better than I do, and so we just trust him. So, book of Revelation, man, it's it's interesting. It's good stuff. I love it. It is a book with a blessing. You don't have to be intimidated by it. You can read it, read it by faith, obey the things that is revealed to you to obey. Don't go on some kind of weird witch hunt throughout the book of Revelation. Don't try to create new forms of doctrines. Obey the truth, learn by it, and live for Jesus. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to week number two in this second month of Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries. We hope we have answered some of culture's difficult questions using the Bible, God's Word. Please help us get the word out about this new podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to call us at 601-469-2680 or you can email us at embrace.church at yahoo.com.